Welcome back to the latest episode of the Third Line Grinders podcast. I am your host, Nicholas A. Gendro, and I'm coming to you live from my couch, just like Sonic Veradian is coming live from her bedroom. What's going on, Sonic? What's up? <laughs> I like <laughs> the added couch. <laughs> it's a couch talk. <laughs> and uh, Cameron Pierce, our lovely producer, is coming from his bedroom as well. This is true. I'm just living <laughs> it up here in my little hovel. <laughs> uh, unfortunately tonight we are one less uh, we are one voice short uh, we have no Ethan Spaulding tonight due to his uh, other duties that he has to fulfill which are much more important than whatever we're doing with our lives so thanks to you Ethan um, thanks we for miss the you already <laughs> yeah, we miss you but uh, we will continue on strong without you we're just not as strong as we are with you <laughs> I had no idea what that sound was. The audience will know. It was giggity. Oh, that's not even the thing no. I wanted to play. I got me some Mexican water. Okay. <laughs> there you go. There you go. There you go. There's Ethan. <laughs> anyway, we did have a huge week uh, since, or a little over a week and a half now, I guess I could say, since our last episode. Uh, obviously, the trade deadline for the NHL passed on Monday, so we want to catch you guys up on not every single last move, but at least the big moves that impacted uh, the playoff teams and teams are looking to get into the playoffs and so on and so forth uh we also want to check in on a couple other things going going on around the nhl including nick backstrom's 1000th game which is being played tonight thursday and uh a few other notes as well pucking around you know the usual but uh first we might as well just start with what went down actually on what cam thought was a rather boring uh trade deadline but right at the end right around three o'clock uh, Cam, your Washington Capitals uh, acquired Michael Raffle from the Philadelphia Flyers in exchange for a 2021 fifth round pick. But the biggest trade was the Capitals acquiring Anthony Mantha from Detroit, who recently just signed an extension with Detroit, I believe, at the end of last season or perhaps this offseason, in exchange for forwards Jacob Verana and Richard Panic. Uh, 2021, I said panic so weird because I was going to say panic, but I like mixed it with panic. Uh, <laughs> a 2021 first round pick and a 2022 second round pick. So Cam, why don't you just start us off with uh, that big trade that went down and how do you think it affects the Capitals moving forward? Oh my God, my cat. This is perfect timing. Just keep screaming right into the microphone when I'm supposed to talk, you little shit. Anyway, <laughs> so... When this trade broke, Nick, you were the reason I found out when you texted us in the group chat about it. I had no idea about it. It was probably 3.30 or after at that point. I figure the day's done. Washington's done. They're not doing anything, which at that point I was okay with. I saw that trade uh, that you sent over, Mantha for Vrana, Panic, first-round pick and a second-round pick, and it sent me into a fucking tizzy for about an hour and a half where I was just absolutely furious about it because in my brain in that moment, I was just thinking this is the dumbest move that they could do. They're sending mixed signals. Are they going to try to compete this year or aren't they? And 
all this stuff. And it, it was very reactionary. Since then, I have calmed down. I've thought about it a lot more. And this move, I think, does make a lot of sense for Washington. Four starters, the biggest thing, and this was the first thing that occurred to me when I finally started thinking about it, is the fact that Jacob Verona, who's up at the end of the season, he's restricted at the end of the season, would definitely have asked for a lot of money. There's no doubt about it. He was going to be looking to make some big bucks on his next contract. Totally understandable. I think he is worth every penny he asks for. Maybe not every penny. I don't know what he's asking for, but he's worth a lot of money as far as I'm concerned. Washington isn't going to want to pay him the money that he is worth. They're not going to want to pay him five, more than $5.7 million annually, which is what they are now paying Anthony Mantha to slot in in pretty much the exact same place that Jacob Verona will slot in. Now let's look at Anthony Mantha. I mean, first, first of all, these two guys' numbers are almost identical across the board. So slot them in in the exact same place, but Anthony Mantha, he provides... Stronger back check, stronger defensive play altogether, and puts up relatively the same offensive numbers. And I think that he slots in very well on the second line with with Backstrom or Oshie or Kuznetsov-Wilson. Those lines are interchanging. They change all the time. I think he fits in very well as a second-line player on this Washington team. He scored the other night. Whoop-de-doo. Um, Ponick, I don't care about. Shoot him to the sun, as I said in the text. It's... The, thing, the only thing that still bothers me about this whole thing is the amount of is the amount that they gave up. They gave up Vrana and Ponick, who again I don't care about, and then a first round pick and a second round pick. Take her take out the first round pick. Honestly, I'm fine. I can totally live with this trade. Still, I miss Jacob Vrana. I like the guy a lot. He scored one of the biggest goals in the franchise's history in the Stanley Cup final a few years ago. Whatever. Get rid of the sentimental shit. I just wish that they didn't give up as much as they did. So are you yeah. happy or are you are you just like still pissed off about it? I'm indifferent. Okay. It's, well, I mean, he scored last night. Mantha, that is. Yeah. Mantha did score last night and, and yay. That's great. And I hope he keeps <laughs> doing it. You know, I, I hope he keeps doing it. But the, another factor that goes in here is I've been doing a lot of reading about this trade since it happened. And it does seem like Vrana was and it, and I could see it on the ice a little bit the last few weeks has been a little bit frustrated as I said he doesn't back check quite the same he doesn't seem very interested in playing in playing defense which in Washington that's pretty par for the course for high scoring eastern european players but between that and what I read about Anthony Mantha apparently having a bit of a I guess you could call it falling out in Detroit in the last few months probably not wanting to play for an organization that's been in the dumpster as long as it has been it does make sense for both these teams to want to swap these players. Uh, and especially since Detroit will be able to pay Jacob Verona if they so choose, they definitely have the yeah. money to do so. Yeah. I mean, the way, the only way I'd look at it as I wouldn't even call it a downgrade between Verona and, and Manta. I think if anything, it's closer to a wash. Um, no pun intended, obviously, but the only the only negative thing I guess I would say is that because Verona was a restricted free agent and Washington owned his rights, Washington has the right to not pay him as much and he'll probably still have to take whatever they offer him. Sure, they can negotiate a little bit, but I don't think he would be making what Mantha's making, which is like five and a quarter million dollars a year, I'm pretty sure. Um, but I think on the other on the flip side for Washington, I think it works because they get a guy with with term that's locked in at a reasonable rate for, you know, his production numbers, and he's a big he's a big body which f- 
fits in with the Washington system. I mean, they play big, they're, they're physical, they play defense well, they back check. So everything that you already touched on, Cam, I, I think it's an interesting move. Um, if there was a falling out, I mean, I think that's kind of too bad because I think what Stevie Eiserman is doing in, in, what, in uh, Detroit is where he's getting this team ready to be back in the playoffs within the next year, if not two accumulating tons of assets um that being draft picks players um and you know he's got a good leader and in D- in dylan larkin there too that is an attractable piece to for free agents and for trade pieces too so and plus who wouldn't want to play for steve eisman one of the greatest players to ever play the game but <clears throat> like i said i still think it's kind of a wash and anthony mantha i mean it makes me it, I'll, i guess i'll compare it once we get to it next, but I think it, I think it works out in favor for both teams. Um, were you upset about Michael Raffle being um, acquired? Uh, they would, Oh yeah. Michael Raffle came from Philly to Washington. What did you think about that move? Honestly, I don't have a lot to say about it. It just feels like he's the Ponick replacement. It, yeah. Cause he, he's, yeah. he, I don't believe he has played. I don't think he played two nights ago. He's not in the lineup tonight. So to me, he seems like that, you know, like a filler. Exactly, he's the, the plug-in forward for when four. somebody yeah. goes down. Yeah. What I do like about it is that it does solidify, so sort of solidify what the fourth line will be in Carl Hagelin, Nick Dowd, and Garnet Hathaway. You know, there there was a bit of a question mark. Guys would interchange all the time uh, on that th- uh, fourth line, and I would imagine it's going to continue to do that. But I think that those four guys have established themselves as the guys who have earned their spots on the fourth line at this point in the season. So I, I do like that part of of uh, Ponick being gone and Michael Roffel coming in. And I would imagine that he will plug in at some point, either next game or the game after. I mean, because you're not going to trade for a guy like Michael Roffel who, who is an, uh, an NHL player and then just not play him. So, um, Were you upset that they didn't try to address the goaltending situation? I mean, I remember... Last week we were talking about Devin Dubnik and he ended up getting moved uh, to Colorado. So I just didn't know if I don't. I'm not saying that Devin Dubnik would have been a great pickup or anything because I think he's very suspect at best. But were you upset at all that they didn't address the goaltending issues? No, and quite. I mean, quite frankly, I still don't really think that they necessarily have to. I think that they're going to be okay at the goaltending position. Maybe I'm in the minority there. I might be. But I personally, I trust Vitek Vanacek. Ilya Samsonov has had a wishy-washy year. Again, we can go back to the time he missed with COVID, and he hasn't been totally 100%. There's some games where he looks sharp and some games where he doesn't. But Vitek Vanacek has been really solid this year. I mean, 913 save percentage, 260 goals against average, uh, 17 wins in his 29 appearances, in in 28 starts, I should say. The guy's been good, and I trust him at this point. And is he going to be strong enough to go through the entirety of the playoffs? I don't know if Washington in and of itself will be. I think they have a better chance than than a lot of other teams in the quote-unquote Eastern Conference. But I don't know. I trust the goalie situation. Also, since we're on the subject, it's a shame that uh, we definitely won't be seeing Henrik Lundqvist come back this year. He said that he'd been planning on coming back uh, before the end of the season. Unfortunately, a setback with his heart procedure uh, has put a stop to that. But uh, I don't know. I I didn't even necessarily see him coming back this year, but it still really sucks because I would have loved to see him get in for a few games. Yeah, for sure. 
Yeah, I think it just stinks that, you know, he went, he, at least on Twitter and stuff, he was being very positive, kind of giving updates to everybody. Seems like every few weeks he said that he seemed to be getting over the hump and was getting close to getting back out on the ice. He even did that interview with Kevin Weeks where they, where Weeks, he basically just interviewed him for like 45 minutes and he just kind of opened up about everything and how he was excited and honored to be with the Capitals, you know, obviously enjoyed all his time in New York, but was looking forward to a new opportunity. And yeah, it stinks, but you know what? Hopefully this opens up a door for him to have a full recovery during the rest of this season and the off season. And who knows, maybe factors into 25, 30, 40 games next season with the Capitals or with another team. So, but no matter what, I mean, even if the Capitals were to go on and win the cup, I think that they would say like, well, Henrik Lundqvist is still a part of this team. Yeah, I would hope they would do that. I mean, it sort of felt like going into the season, and this is dramatic and, and stuff, but it almost felt like sort of written in the stars that Washington were going to try to go on and, and win a cup this year. They bring in Zidane Ochara, who clearly wants to win again. They signed Henrik Lundqvist, who's never won a cup, who clearly signed mm-hmm. with a team like Washington to get that opportunity to win a cup late in his career. Right. So I, I still... I'm never going to root for one of my teams more than the other, but I think that it would be more fulfilling to see Washington win simply for the reason of those veteran guys who, who went there with the sole purpose of trying to win one more time or, or win in the first place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'll wholeheartedly disagree with you there. Obviously I want the Bruins to win way more than the Capitals, <laughs> but I, I see your point hundred percent. So. Yeah. I'm not trying. There's no bias or anything involved. It's just, I don't know. It, it would feel like the universe at work. Yeah, it just happens to fall in that way. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, let's flip it to uh, the other team in in this wild uh, division here. Uh, Sonic, I want to get your thoughts first. Uh, The Bruins go out. They, uh, I think it was two days before the deadline, traded for defenseman Mike Riley, who came over from Ottawa. He's, Mm -hmm. I think he has 18 points in 40 games, all of them assists, and he automatically becomes like the Bruins second Seriously. leading defenseman <laughs> goal scorer on the on the roster just based off of him being on the roster. He has more he's just behind McAvoy in points. Um they also went out and made a big splash uh the night before the trade deadline on Sunday night, late, late Sunday night, and traded for Taylor Hall, uh yeah. Curtis Curtis Lazar, and all they had to give up was Anders Bjork and uh, next year or this year's second round pick. And I thought it was a pretty crazy trade. And honestly, I'm, I know I've been saying for weeks that I don't really want Taylor Hall here, but you know, for the <laughs> price, for the price that they paid, I didn't mind it. And I, I wasn't that surprised, but yeah, Sonic, I want to get your thoughts first. I honestly thought, well, first of all, Taylor Hall, like, Oh, fuck that. I'm just, I wasn't, (laughs) I'm sorry. I just don't like the guy. I just, I have like this eerie, I don't know how, je ne sais quoi. I'll leave it like that. But I mean, seeing him play for this, for this is what now is second game currently. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. And as if you guys didn't know, we are currently, uh, Sonic and I have the Bruins game on. Cam, do you have it on right now? I don't have anything on just because I'm nervous that if I stream something, it could affect the quality of the show and like cause lag and stuff like that. But you guys gotcha. can announce the score as much as you want. I don't care. 
Yeah, it's two to one Boston with eight forty and change uh, in the second period against the Islanders. But anyway, continue, yeah. Sonic. No, so I was gonna say, like, so far I can't really tell, like, quality wise, if he's actually really good for the team yet because it's only been two games. Um, but I think Nick, you said this earlier. Like, I think it would give it like five or six games to like fully register if he's a good fit. But again, I'm like, ugh, whatever, Taylor Hall. Is it um, more? Is it more just like his past? And I think so. Given the I mean, I'm he's sh- played on in his career. Yeah, and just the like negativity towards him and all the like rumors and shit that you hear about him. But and I'm sure he's a great player. Well, he is but, a great player. I mean, you. I know. Um, but yeah, this I just have this like eerie thing about him. But um, I don't know. I think I think getting Riley was a good trade. He's like you said. He's right there on the line with McAvoy. He fits in perfectly. I mean, I think he had an assist just yeah, for our, his first assist tonight on the first goal. Yeah, um, I think he's a great fit for us, and I really really like him. Um, and who was the other one that we uh, we got? Curtis, Curtis. Curtis Lazar playing um, on the fourth line with uh, Corrali and Wagner. I'm. I don't know that much about him, but I haven't really. Pick by the Ottawa Senators in twenty fourteen. Fourteen, yeah, I think it was fourteen. Um, I'm indifferent. I don't know if he's good or if he's bad. He's one of those iffy players. I feel like he could be great for us, but I haven't really seen him in action lately, so I don't really know how to respond to that. But, but um, yeah, you can laugh all you want. Um, but I think I think who we gave up is perfect. Yeah, I mean, you literally gave up nothing. Anders Bjork's time was up here anyway. Bruce yeah. Cassidy made it seem pretty clear, like, all right, buddy, like, I'm going to give you, you one know, more eight, shot, <laughs> eight to ten, eight to ten games to try and figure out your game here and see if you can find a spot in this lineup. And obviously, he never was able to. So yeah, so I don't. It's not a huge loss. No, I don't think so either. Um, so, Cam, if you don't mind, I'll just go quickly here. Um, Curtis Lazar, I think, has been, other than Mike Riley, like if I were to if I were to rate them, I would go Riley, Lazar, Hall, and I have noticed Curtis Lazar on that fourth line. He like the first their first game against Buffalo, which was on Tuesday night. He was a water bug out there going after everybody on his old team, hitting everybody that moved. He was getting in on the, on the four check and the fourth line actually looked like the fourth line again. <laughs> like the Bruins haven't had a fourth line in a handful of years. Now it seems like at least one that's consist that's somewhat consistent and can shut, you know, some player can shut down the other team's fourth line or sometimes the, the second line or third line, whoever they get matched up against. And I thought Curtis Lazar has, has been a very good pickup so far. And, I mean, both him and Hall, I think actually all three of them are up at the end of this year, but I wouldn't be surprised if they keep Lazar just because he's going to be cheap. Uh, Chris Wagner's had an off year, and who knows, he might get exposed and picked up in that uh, in that expansion draft or even Corrali at that point. Mm-hmm. Corrali's had an off year, and I just 
I love the way Lazar has played. I think he brings energy, and it seems like he kind of elevated Wagner and Corrali too. And I'd be interested to see how he plays with Trent Frederick on that fourth line as well. True. See, I uh, missed I missed the Buffalo game, so I didn't okay. see any of that. So that's probably why. Well, they so that fourth line started tonight. Okay. And right off the hop, the Cassidy set it up so it was fourth line on fourth line, and right off the hop. The Bruins' fourth line was all over the yeah. Islanders' fourth line, yeah, who, have, who were known to have a very good fourth line, and Cal Clutterbuck and a couple other guys that I can't think of off the top of my head, but um, probably Matt Martin and somebody else. But isn't uh, Pollock on that line? Possibly. Yeah. I think actually Pollock's a defenseman. I don't know. Don't get oh, me yeah. too confused. I don't <laughs> want to get, Go ahead, enough, keep going. I confuse enough people when I talk on this podcast. <laughs> um, but uh, the Mike Riley, I think if I'm just going to go in order on who I've noticed the most so far, um, Lazar one and Riley two, but you notice Riley more because obviously he plays more minutes, but he stepped right in and, and went into basically where Grizzlick was playing second line. Mm-hmm. Um, he's eaten up a ton of minutes so far. Defensively, he's looked great in position. Uh, he's super quick with the puck. I mean, he gets a puck and his hips turn immediately and he's either making a pass or, or a solid shot. Yeah. And he seems to have a bomb from the point. I mean, he I, it was uh, the first game against Buffalo. He absolutely rifled one in, but just I think it just got deflected out front, or the goalie made the save, or whatever. But and I think too, he's he's very quick. Uh, he's much faster than Kevin Miller. He's faster than Brandon Carlo. He's probably up there being one of the fastest defensemen this team has. And obviously, he's better than Connor Clifton and Stephen Camper. But they just keep playing in this lineup because the defense just still isn't healthy. But ideally, if if uh, if or when Brandon Carlo comes back and you kind of get a healthy lineup, I think I'd want to see, you know, McAvoy, Lazan, Riley, uh, Carlo, and then Grizzlick and Miller is probably going to be, yeah. if I had to guess, and that would actually be mine, even though Kevin Miller, I say with an asterisk, an asterisk <laughs> but he's, he's, he'll probably play one game and then like tonight he's out and they say it's a non-knee related injury. Yeah, it's a bullshit. Yeah, whatever. Um, but no, Mike Riley's look great, and he's been like one of the lone standouts on the Senators this year too. So, and you got him for nothing. I think you got him for like a fourth round draft pick. Yeah. So it's like it's a no brainer. And then lastly, Taylor Hall. I know I made myself clear as I said earlier, and as I've said on previous podcasts, I I don't want him. I don't want him. I don't want him. Let's see. Yeah. Give me give me five, six games. I mean, he's not a first-round pick MVP for nothing. He, although I did see this crazy stat the other day, like Taylor Hall has had the most, uh, like, non-shootout breakaway. Or, uh, oh, well, I did see that. Has had the most breakaways in, like, the last two or three years and, haven't, and hasn't scored on one, on one breakaway. Wait, where did where did you see that? Because I, I saw that on, too. I saw it on Twitter somewhere. I forget. I forget where. I wish I should have taken a screenshot or something and and saved it. But I and I forget what the number is too. If you can find it, just blurt it out. But I'm gonna try but, to find it. Yeah. But I mean, let's see, because I, you know, T- Taylor Hall. Like people forget, he sat. He missed like five or six straight games with Buffalo. He sat out ten to twelve days or something along along those lines. And Cam, like you said before the show. Then he had to drive six hours from Buffalo to Boston 
go to morning skate the next morning and then play that night against his old team. So that's a lot right there. I mean, and granted, like, you know, Mike Riley drove from Ottawa and Curtis Lazar drove from Buffalo too, but Lazar had had some jump and I thought Taylor Hall had his legs. I think it's his hands weren't fully there. And the only real opportunity he had was in that overtime against Buffalo and he kind of put the puck right in the goalie's chest. So, but, you know, I mean, let him get acclimated with the team first, I think. Yeah. And, it, and I found it interesting, too, that Hall came out and said, you know, I, I've, I've wanted, I wanted to sign with Boston during the offseason last year. We just couldn't agree on, you know, a number. And, you know, I'm really happy to be here and be in an organization where I'm appreciated that has a winning culture and I don't have to be the guy. So he's made it clear that he doesn't want to be the guy anymore. And that's why he, once McDavid came in to Edmonton and McDavid played with him and McDavid was like, well, you're not the guy, I'm the guy. And if you don't step it up, then just get the hell out of here. And then he goes to Arizona and he's like the guy. And then he goes to, well, he went to New Jersey before that and he's the guy. And it's like, well, look now, dude, like you can come in here, you can play with David Krejci, who's been looking for a winger for what, Cam? Eight, ten Way years? Way too fucking long. <laughs> Way too fucking long. So, you know, here's your opportunity. And David Krejci, here's your here's your opportunity. You finally get the winger that you've been looking for. Even though he's not a right shot, right wing, he's he can play both sides, and he's he's got a good shot. And, you know, he's in the, in the past, he's been a good player. So let's see what he can do. And... You know what I think too? He get he gets the opportunity to play on that power play with Marshawn and Bergeron too. I mean, that's huge, dude. And that's one that's one of, if not the most lethal power plays in the NHL. So like I said, give me five, six games of Taylor Hall and I'll give you my full assessment of him so far. But let's see if those big DSLs he's got can do anything while he's here in Boston. And then also, is it Sorry. Also, he he said that he wanted to, he'd love to spend a few years in Boston after the season two. So let's see what his number will be. Let's play the last 15 games and then the playoffs, buddy, before we start talking about shit. Yeah, exactly. But just to touch on the Bruins trades very quickly, um, Curtis Lazar does actually have term. He is in Boston next year. Oh, he is. Oh, he is. He, he is in Boston next year. He okay. expires at the end of next year. He's only like an eight hundred thousand dollar cap. Hit, yeah, so yeah, yeah. Okay, no okay. issue there Perfect. whatsoever. I'll take That's that. That's good then. I'll, I'll yeah, take we'll that. take it. And, and to speak to Curtis Lazar, listen, Riley, like you guys said, has been incredibly noticeable. He's been good. A big part of that is a, as you guys mentioned, he plays more minutes because he def- he's a defenseman. Also, the Bruins' injury problems have been just so substantial the last few games to bring a new guy in insert him and have him play well immediately of course he's going to be noticeable he's been great i've really liked him but curtis lazar like you said nick i what was the analogy he was a water bug he's a water bug out there yeah Yeah. absolutely the perfect description so far i think that he's he's been so fun to watch he plays with a fire in his stomach no doubt about it um and taylor hall i'm I, i i made it very clear at first, that I wanted him nowhere near my teams. I kind of opened up, I think it was last week, and said, if the price is right, I'm open to it. The price was absolutely perfect. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he you, had you acquired a... a you, acquired, you acquired a former MVP and former first-round pick without giving up a first-round pick. Yeah. It doesn't happen. Yeah, often. right. No, it doesn't happen often. And the reason it happened is probably because he had, his note, had a no-trade clause 
and he probably turned down a bunch of teams who offered first-round picks. So he may or may not have really screwed Buffalo over in that regard, but honestly, I mean, given his reputation of being sort of selfish, I'm not surprised about that at all. But it's just good for the Bruins. The price was there. It was perfect. I'm I'm okay with the trade. I was actually happy with the trade when I saw what the what the return was going back to Buffalo. So I'm okay with it. I'm I'm just happy the Bruins finally actually went out and did something at the deadline that definitively should improve this team because there's so many years that they did not do that. And it, it says to me that they're gearing up to make what could be the last real run with this core group of players. So it, it, even though I wasn't sure what I wanted them to, to do going into the deadline, I, I'm coming out of the deadline happy with what the Bruins did for the first time yeah, in years, mind you. Well, I mean, I think he, so like, it's easy for us to sit here and say, you know, what is Don Sweeney actually done? But he did go out and get Coyle and Johansson. Yes. The, yeah. the year before that, he did go out and get Rick Nash, who obviously didn't really work out much, and he got he had concussion issues and all that. But I think I also saw this thing on Twitter, and I forget where I saw it or whatever, but I think it's out of like all the GMs at their own respective trade deadlines. Like, um, Sweeney has made the most moves out of all of them. Which, granted, like, obviously, like, the NFL trade deadline is way different and, like, the sport is way different. But, like, you know, we have Danny Ainge and Bob, Trader Danny, and it's like, he goes out and what does he do? The last two years, I think he sat on his hands. <laughs> and then same with the Sox. It's like they don't ever really go out and make a big splash. So, obviously, it's easier um, in hockey, I think, just because there's so many different players of so many different types of calibers and different fits and into systems and all yeah. that stuff. You know, it's just a bigger, more likely scenario to happen. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, but there's, I'm not saying Don Sweeney isn't entirely at fault because he, there, there's, he's done plenty of stupid things that, you know, over the, over the course of his tenure here that make you scratch your head. But yeah, no, I mean, I think you, you summed it up very well, Cam. And, you know, for once it feels like, Hey, you know what? Wow, the window really is closing here. Like, maybe we should try and go out and try and get some know, players, good get, players. Get, at least get a name, get a name yeah. that's relevant into the sport. I mean, every year Taylor Hall, that every year that Taylor Hall has been a free agent, he's like in the top three names. So, but I'm just glad that they went out and they were able to get two forwards and a defenseman, and that's all I really wanted. And they waited to the last possible second. I think, I don't know if it was in the group chat, but we were talking about how Boston, out of all the other teams, had done nothing until like the very last second. Yeah, they did it very late Sunday night. Yeah. <laughs> we were like, got, okay. After they got, did they get smoked by Washington? Was that Monday it, it, or was that it, Sunday? They got smoked on Oh, Sunday. that was Sunday. Oh. Smoked. Damn, I, I turned that shit off so fast. I, like, we don't even need to talk about that game. But Oh, that makes me feel fucking wonderful, though, because uh, no, and not, for the, not for the reason that you thought. I'm being sarcastic. I almost <laughs> didn't watch that game because, as I've said, I fucking hate watching them play against each other. It just isn't fun. And that, so I watched that entire slaughterhouse of a game. And 
Nick, I find out you didn't even bother watching the whole thing. It's um, I I turned it off the second period. Waste I was like, this is. Time. I was like, this is so embarrassing. I'm I I switched it to something else. I was like, I uh, can't watch this. I was like, you know what? Girlfriend's in bed. I'm I'm going on PlayStation. I don't need to watch any more of this shit anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it, it dude, it was rough. That it was it was ugly, but it was also like an AHL lineup for the. No, it's, believe me. Oh, I'm yeah. not, I believe me. I don't think any. Uh, logical or reasonable Capitals fan was sitting there going, oh, oh this yeah. is the path yeah, to right, the Stanley right. Cup. The reasonable yeah. <laughs> ones, th- those of us that exist were looking at this like, yeah, I mean, it. this was really in the realm of possibilities the whole time tonight. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, all right, let's 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 touch on a couple more bigger trades that went down before we move on. Um, the one that I thought was probably the most interesting and not just because it's the fucking... Maple Leafs and they literally have just so much pressure on them. They went out and they got a goaltender and David Riddick from uh, Calgary in exchange for a third round pick, which I think is a pretty, pretty good pickup. I mean, I don't think that they're going to ride the coattails of Michael Hutchinson to be their, their backup. And is Freddie Anderson hurt? Like, is that why he's not, why he hasn't been playing? Yes. Yeah. Freddie Anderson yeah. has been injured, which is why this Campbell kid is, is. Oh yes. Jack just, Campbell. Yeah. Absolutely fantastic. Finally lost. He, yeah, he's very good. The other night. And you know what? Yeah. I like the guy, the kid because he's been so humble the whole way. Winning, yeah. I think mm-hmm. it was 11 straight games. Finally loses in the 12th, if I'm, if I'm correct with the numbers. And he basically blamed himself, which isn't necessarily a good thing. But the fact that like he recognizes the magnitude of, of what he's a part of with a team that has a legitimate chance to go on a run and win this year. I mean, like, right. it seems like he's the guy from everything that I have read and heard and listened to. He is a guy who that whole team has rallied around and he has rallied right to their sides as well. And, yeah. and you know, seriously, good for for uh, Jack Toronto and good for him. Yeah. 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 I mean, I don't know if you guys saw after he got that tenth win in a row, he got pretty emotional after the game, like in that. I did. Yeah. That post game interview. I mean, you can't look at that and not smile and be like, you know what? Good for that guy. Like, if I'm not, I'm not going to root for the Maple Leafs, but if I'm going to root for anybody on that team, it's going to be him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so so the Leafs did go out and get David Riddick, but their biggest splash was acquiring uh, Nick Foligno from the Columbus Blue Jackets. Oh, also, and Stefan Nosen, I believe I'm saying that right, um, from the Sharks in exchange for a first-round pick in the 2021 draft, which would be this, this summer, a fourth-round pick in the 2022 draft, which are both going to Columbus, and a fourth-round pick in the 2021 draft going to, to San Jose. Um, I don't know how familiar you guys are let alone our audience is with Nick Felino, but if you guys don't mind I'll just go quickly yep go for he, it he is known a lot around the league as one of the the best leaders you can find in the NHL um I'm gonna try I'm gonna try and find a tweet once I'm done talking about it I, like again I'm so fucking stupid I should have just pulled it up but one of his teammates, like, scored a goal. He's he's a he's a kid that you know plays up and down the lineup. Um, sometimes a scratch. Oh, right here from Zach Dalpy, uh, four days ago. So this was when Felino was traded. So this is a tweet from Dalpy. This is a text from the great captain Nick Felino sent me the other night. The definition of a true born leader. This text meant everything to me. 
You want good guys to do great things. And he's an old soul that values sentiments like this. He's the best. And then here's a screenshot. Really happy for you, my man. I know how good a pro you've been and a lot of the spotlight doesn't get put on you, but just want you to know I know it and see it and respect it. And so do a lot of the guys. Enjoy that tuck tonight. It ain't easy to do in this league. You all have our respect and that's all that matters. Sleep well and see you tomorrow, brother. Like, (laughs) imagine being like a guy that's in and out of the lineup and your captain just out of nowhere, you happen to score a goal, sends you a text like that. Oof. I mean that that gave me that gave me like a little chill right there. Yeah, I mean to me that should be the standard amongst captains, but and maybe that says something to what leadership is. But I I don't know. It it, it certainly is such a great look for for Nick Foligno, who I've always been a fan of. But continue, Nick. Yeah, no. So just beyond just beyond this old captain scene, his leadership. He's a hard nosed player that's going to play a two hundred foot game who obviously his offensive production has gone down, you know, within the last few years, but he's a guy that's had to play under John Tortorella for the last like six or seven, eight years. Yeah. Granted, Tortorella puts him in the positions to be at his best on the ice, but maybe now that he goes to Toronto where he's probably going to be playing second line, so top line minutes, and he probably gets to play with, you know, um, Tavares or, or I don't know. I don't, I'm not going to act like I know the Maple Leafs second line, but whoever he plays with is going to be a lot more talented and a lot more, you know, driven than, than who was on Columbus at that time. And I think that that's just going to pick you up. And I think too, like, you know, if, if they want to put him on the fourth line and put him with Jason Spezza and Joe Thornton, just to have all that leadership and that, you know, the experience on one line that might work too. So I just think that Nick Foligno, like <clears throat> just seeing him like, you know, against the Bruins in the playoffs over the years and just seeing even last year um, when, when they beat Toronto, I mean, uh, Tampa, when they came back and when they swept him, he was like the main guy driving that train to get, to get that team to go in and buy in and, get to where they want to go. So I think it's a great pickup for the Leafs. And I, I think when you look at the Leafs, they can't get enough experience. You know what I mean? Like they can't yeah. have they, like the amount of guys that they could have with experience is infinite for that Maple Leafs team. If they ever want to try and win a cup, because you have Joe Thornton, um, you have uh, Jason Spezza. Now you have Nick Felino, you have John Tavares, you have Austin Matthews, like, those are some great leaders right there. That four, all, four of those guys have been captains in the National Hockey League. Right, so. right, right, right. So it's like, you know, I think this. I I just thought it was a great pickup for Toronto, and I think if you're a Toronto fan, you got to be excited about it. Um, and Ray, <laughs> uh, did you touch base on? I don't know if you mentioned this. The uh, you probably did the David uh, David Reddick trade. Yeah. Yeah, because um, yeah, that's just, how we got onto the whole Jack Campbell thing. Yeah, I'm just trying to look at like who else Maple Leafs picked up too. Well, that's like those were the two main the main pieces, ones, yeah. Two main pieces that they picked up. I mean, so Kim, what did you think? I mean, you said you've seen Felino over the years. What did you What did you think of the move? Well, I th- I, just, I think it makes perfect sense if you're Toronto. I mean, it, I'm not going to say anything that you pretty much didn't, Nick. But I think it makes perfect sense for them. He can slot in 
on this. I mean, generally speaking, it would be Taveras, Marner, and Matthews on the first line. Obviously, Matthews is injured right now. I think Alex Galchenyuk has been skating with that top line, who's also been a very yeah. good pickup for Toronto as well, which has been sort of surprising, but I guess it shows how good that Toronto offense is when you can elevate a guy like Alex Galchenyuk, who's been kind of down the last few years. Yeah, but for sure. Felino probably plays on the second line, maybe the third line, but it's the leadership that he adds more than anything. Obviously, he can contribute on the scoreboard. He can make a big hit. He's a big, tough guy. I think it's just a move that makes a lot of sense for them. So I, I don't have anything else to say that, that you didn't already address Nick yeah. for the most part. Yeah. But there okay. is a lot of leadership on that team. And if there's any team that, you know, is, again, I, I keep saying this tonight. I sound like a fucking fairy. But if it's written in the stars for any team to win, it's fucking Toronto if you look at this roster. <laughs> I've never heard you like this, like all about No, it. I know. I don't know what the hell is happening. The universe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the least spiritual person you'll ever meet in your entire life. And I don't know Maybe what the Maybe it's just hell is tonight. Going. There's something in the air tonight yeah, with you. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know, but I want it to stop immediately. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Cam, you did mention there was uh, another trade that you wanted to just hit on quickly, which was the Jeff Carter trade to uh, the Penguins. How did you you feel about that one? I was just kind of surprised because, I don't know, I never really saw Jeff Carter leaving L.A. personally. He's a guy who, he's older at this point, probably towards the later years of his career, two-time Stanley Cup winner. He has a family that I, as far as I know, he was raising in LA. So I just thought it was kind of odd. Like maybe he didn't even ask to be traded. I don't know. I can't imagine LA would just ship him off uh, without consulting him. So I doubt that that's the case. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But the thing that I really wanted to touch on is how the hell does every single season it feel like, it feels like anyway, do Pittsburgh go out and pick up these very talented, well-established guys and bring them in at the deadline. It, they did it with a guy like Phil Kessel and, and they've done it with a ton of guys. And it just, it feels like Pittsburgh who was nowhere to be found in the early stages of the season, who've been going on this insane run to get right back into this, into the thick of things are now all of a sudden that much better and could truly be a threat in the playoffs to win what would be a fourth Stanley cup in just over 10 years. And I think 12 years. Yeah. You're so right. It's every single year at the deadline, the penguins are picking somebody up and it's usually a pretty well-known name. And yeah, Jeff Carter is on the back nine of his career. Uh, I think it's funny that Ron Hextall, who obviously was a part of Philly's organization forever and, you know, I'm sure had Jeff Carter there when he was like with whatever Hextall was doing there, but then shipped his ass out because he couldn't stay out of the South Jersey bars and the Jersey shore and doing the blow with Mike Richards and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I was going to say Mike Richards, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> but like it was him and Jeff Carter, like even my buddy that lives out um, in Jersey, he was like, oh, dude, every summer we would go down to the Jersey shore and you would just see Jeff Carter and Mike Richards and they're just living the life. But and then he goes to L.A., he wins two cups, and it's like, well, I mean, L.A. probably looks at it like, well, let's try and get younger here. Let's try and get younger down the middle. If Jeff Carter, who we're paying, you know, however much money to nowadays, is only going to be playing on our third, fourth line and, like, second power play unit, like, we might as well go out and try and get something. 
And they probably saved money, and that's how they were probably able to pay Alex I follow too, which they gave him, I think it was a two- or three-year extension the other day because there were talks that they were going to trade him too. But Yep, they did that on the deadline, if I remember correctly. Yeah, and I saw I saw some sort of tweet. I think it might have been from Penguins Twitter. Like, I think it was when uh, whenever LA like either re-signed Jeff Carter or gave him like a no trade clause or whatever. Yep. And it was like the King's tweet was like, "Imagine trading Jeff Carter," <laughs> and then like, yeah, and the then the Penguins were proud replied with like yeah imagine yeah, <laughs> with the thinking emoji like the yeah, fingers yeah, yeah, on the yeah. chin yeah. yeah with the finger over the under the chin like hmm, yeah, but yet it already that. happened but it wasn't released yet and they're like haha yeah so it's just it's just funny but yeah in- interesting trade to say the least i don't know how much he'll really step in and help you know it all, i guess it all depends on who he gets to play with but i mean if he's going to play with two speedy guys on the wings and you know, he's still a playmaker. He's still got a decent shot, and he's had a hell of a career. So let's see if Pittsburgh can try and put something together there and hopefully lose in the first or second round. Yeah, well, he had to make it even more just mind-boggling to me for some reason. He has term. Pittsburgh has him for next year as well, and there's nobody up at the end of the season who's going to cost them a hefty paycheck. So Pittsburgh oh. is, is still around for the time being, unfortunately. Also, yeah. his contract is an extremely obscure on-the-nose number, making $2,636,364 a year. Just incredibly specific. <laughs> Very, yeah, that's weird. <laughs> well, have you ever seen Crosby's contract? Uh, mm-hmm. Looking it's at great. it right now. It's for yeah. 8.87878787. Oh, of course. <laughs> It just like goes on forever. Oh my God. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, I signed with the uh, Penguins for $8,878,788. So, that, I don't know. That's the type of shit that you think of when you're like a 12 year old boy, like, yeah, I'm going to sign for a contract that looks like my number. That's what it happened. Well, that tells you how meticulous uh, Crosby is with everything. Seriously. Yeah, I guess so. uh, Cam, let's just touch on a couple more things before we go to pucking around. Uh, Nicholas Backstrom playing in his 1,000th game tonight. You've seen him play his entire career with uh, the Washington Capitals. I saw something on Twitter today about when he played over in Europe or something, I don't know if it was during the deadline or something, he wore number 69 because he would be the 69th player to play all 1,000 games for the same team. And Washington <laughs> Capitals tweeted out, nice. nice. <laughs> <laughs> so just touch on Nick, Nick Backstrom and his impact that he's had on the team and the organization and an unreal, un, one of the best passers you'll ever see, this game will ever see. Oh, without a doubt. And and I'll be on, I was able to watch uh, most of the first period with the Capitals before I came up here to start doing some prep. And I was able to see them do the presentation with the silver stick and everything. And, and I would be lying if I, if I said I didn't get a little bit emotional because that guy has been just as instrumental to Washington's success over the years as obviously Alex Ovechkin, who, who the history of books will remember Alex Ovechkin 
and the Alex Ovechkin era and when they finally won the cup after all that time, Backstrom was with it the entire way as well. It wasn't just an Ovi thing. There's a, a handful of guys who've been around for a long time and have been have made a huge impact on the organization. He's one of them. He he's a legendary capital in my mind. He's a, a guy whose number is going to be up in the rafters at some point uh, down the road. One of the one of the best players I've ever seen play in my mind. Still, maybe the most underrated player and under talked about player in the National Hockey League. Coming into his uh, 1,000th game tonight, he has 971 points which tells you all you need to know about his quality. And granted, I think, Nick, you said this on the podcast uh, a few weeks ago or a few months ago. It helps when you have arguably the greatest goal scorer ever to be alongside to get all those assists for. But still, you got to imagine if he's playing on any other team, he's going to put up really great numbers. So, Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Without a doubt. I mean, you you could throw him on the most boring team in the league in the Islanders, and he's still going to rack up – a shit ton of a shit ton of assists and they scored like a goal and a half a game. So yeah, no yeah. hats off hats off to Nick Backstrom on a, on a fabulous career. And, you know, hopefully he, he has a lot more left in the tank. And I just wanted to say before I forgot another 1000th gamer goes to my boy, Milan Lucic. Congratulations. Oh, oh on, yes. That happened one, like a couple days ago. On 1000 games. He got in a fight in the first period. I think <laughs> yeah, his, I saw that. I think it was his second or his first shift. He's bleeding. He's loving it. You know. The smile from ear to ear, and he's I like, fuck oh, this. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, in, in back then, obviously, he was my favorite Bruin, just the way he played the game and how hard he played it. And he had that 130-goal season, and then it seemed like after that, once he got paid, he just – filled his skates with cement and just didn't skate. And when he did, it was so slow. And it was just like when they traded him, the time was right. Yeah. I was sad about it, but like it had to happen, but I'm glad that he was able to go off and still make a career, you know, between Edmonton, LA and and now Calgary. And I might take him on my third line or something for one year, like one point five million dollars. If he were to want, if he wanted to come back or anything like that. But, uh, congrats, congratulations again to to Milan Lucic and to Nicholas Backstrom on their thousandth games played. It's fucking crazy that these guys that we like grew up watching are now playing in their thousandth game. And yeah. it's, it's fucking nuts. It's crazy to think. Nick, I had to look up this stat because I was curious. And Sonic, I don't know why I just said Nick. But (laughs) it's weird to think that Milan Lucic has played almost as many games not on the Bruins as he did with the Bruins. Yeah, 566 career games with the Bruins. That's fucking crazy. That's incredible. That's, yeah, that's nuts. I think what I I find most impressive about the 1,000 games is I don't think they include the playoff games, right? They don't. No, they don't. Create like so, like add in the playoff games too. I mean, that's oh, yeah. Like for everybody, for everybody that's played a thousand games, if they've played a shit ton of playoff games too, I mean, my god. But yeah, so kudos to them. Do we want to hit on anything else before we send the fucking round? I, I mean, should we meant? Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, believe me, this is not important at all. But- no, I was gonna, I was gonna say something about uh, Ethan's Tampa Bay acquiring uh, Savard. I feel like we should include Ethan okay, a little we can here. Touch on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, letting uh, David Savard, defenseman, and he sucked in his first game. So that's about it. <laughs> and we're done. <laughs> you know, I th- listen. 
I do want to give Ethan the credit though, because he did say he wanted them to bring in a depth defenseman at the yep. deadline. So let and they did. credit to Ethan. They did. He, he knows what he wants in his teams. And he got yeah. it. <laughs> Maybe he should ask for a new goaltender or somebody that can put the puck on that because they are skidding right now. They are oh, not playing good. No, they're in they're in uh doo doo. It's like they're drowning with the Stanley Cup that fell to the bottom of the Hillsborough River. We all know what happens. <laughs> also, before we get to pucking around, uh, when when they did Nick Backstrom's uh, silver stick silver. presentation, they brought his whole family out. He had three beautiful children. It was awesome. But I just got to say, his wife is a piece. Oh, my God. <laughs> you got to love those Swedes, man. <laughs> you got to love the Swedes. Oh, my God. <laughs> A piece. Maybe well, now I'm going to have to see what she what? looks like. like <laughs> oh, she's that, beautiful, blonde-haired sweet. Miss Backstrom's one fine piece <laughs> of ace. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no offense, Mrs. Backstrom. I'm sure you're wonderful. I'm, young sure, lady. I'm sure you're oh, lovely. <laughs> no, nobody means it as an insult. She, she is beautiful. I had to throw <laughs> that out there. I'm going to have to look her up to see what she looks like now. <laughs> Very, very pretty. <laughs> All right, well, let's throw it a pucking around so we can get the fuck out of here and watch the Bruins blow a 2-1 lead in the third period, eh? Oh, that's the spirit, Nick. <laughs> Quit pucking around. Oh, fuck you. No, hey, fuck you. Fuck out of here. Get the fuck out of here. Guys, stop pucking around. And everybody's favorite segment, you know it is, you just don't want to admit it, but you know it is, and you probably just fast forward to this part of the podcast because it is the best part of the podcast. So That'd make Thank me you. really sad knowing that I'm just wasting my time <laughs> doing all the prep, though. <laughs> Cam, like you just mentioned with Nick, ba- Nick Backstrom's uh, wife there, you meant it in the best way possible. <laughs> Fair enough. And that's, okay. That's how I, yeah. that's how I <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, so Cam, how about we start with you? You said that you had something a little non-hockey related and I'm all for non-hockey related questions on a hockey podcast. I really am. Yeah. Sure. So is that sarcasm or no, 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 okay. I, I, swear to God, okay. I really am. No, okay. he said the same thing. Was it last week or two weeks ago that you really like the not hockey ones? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I was thinking about this earlier. Um, very, very random, but I was thinking about this this thing earlier, and I was like, you know what? Nick likes the non-hockey questions. I would imagine they might be a little bit of a fun reprieve from the, the whole hockey angle of the show. So I want to ask you guys, it's very specific, but if there was one piece of media, I'm just going to wait because I need to see Nick's... I, 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 I just... Was it to the save, Sonig? <laughs> All right. <laughs> Fucking Christ. Delayed. Oh, here it comes. Pasternak. Oh, here's some live commentary for you. Pasternak up to Taylor Hall. Taylor Hall shoots. He scores! Taylor Hall scored? <laughs> That's what That's I was like. That's awesome. And the Bruins are up 3-1. to one. Hey, <laughs> way better than Jack Edwards. Oh, my God. I didn't want to give it away. That's why I was just wow. doing my little cheer. If you don't want to give it away, then don't do the thing. I know. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just had to <laughs> put your screen black or something. Next Let's time. The... Oh, he got a five hole too. Nice shot. Kept the puck on the ice right through the five hole. How are you guy? He has the same celery though. Every time. What is it one? How would we know he has one... barely scored? Oh, wow. 
All right, anyway, what was your question? For, yeah, <laughs> my <sorry>. question. <laughs> it was a good. It was a good distraction. I'm okay with it. I just wish I saw it. My, uh, I hope play by play. My little play by play there. Oh, that was so, fun. Use that, use that as a sample. Anywho, um, anyway, so non-hockey related question: If there was any piece of media, would be it a video game, a movie, a TV show, an album, a book, anything that you could erase from your memory altogether so you could experience it for the first time again, what would it be? It's a loaded question, so if you need to take a minute to think about it, go ahead. Wow. Wait, repeat that again. So if there was anything that would like... (laughs) I just need to hear it again. (laughs) No, I understood it. I just have to like really think about it. Go ahead. That's because you're older. So I'm not going to respond to that. Jesus Christ. If there's any piece of media, like a book, a movie, a TV show, a video game, anything like that, that you love so much that you wish that you could experience for the first time again, if there's anything like that, you could erase your memory of it altogether and experience it for the first time again, what would it be? That's a tough one. That is is a very good question, though, Cam. Thank you. (laughs) I wish Ethan was here for it, so I'm going to ask him next week on the show because I feel like he would probably have a good answer for it. Yeah. You know what? That's that's gonna be the first thing we do. Just get it right out of the way. Okay, per- I will write that down on my notepad so we don't forget. Um, does like attending like a sporting event count? Uh, I'll allow it. I don't care. Because then, like, I think of like attending like my first con or like a I was gonna say concert. concerts or. But like, okay, like I was gonna say like the game four against the Canucks, like that game I went to. Like, if I could just like go back and relive that, it was just like. Just given everything that was going on in my life and I got to do that at that time, it was just like, it was like a weight off my shoulders. But like, I did that and I only got to do that once. So it's like, fuck. That's a tough one. I think I would say like for a concert, like going to, uh, I went to like Firefly Festival in Delaware without like, I kind of knew what I was expecting, but I think if I could do it over again, I totally would. So I That's think, good. yeah, I think like a festival setting, I would totally do over. Okay. Interesting. I was not expecting like the live action in-person things to be taking precedence here. That's not okay. what I was expecting at all. And then what were you kind of like, exp- like are you a, thinking like, more like, like more like a, watching like a, a movie tool that like we use no, I, I was thinking like, it, it, your answers are great. I was just thinking like a movie that you love, that you loved so okay. much that's like the first time, like you wish you could experience it for the first time again. Okay, okay. Mine's still going to be a sporting event, but just <laughs> watching it happen was the Red Sox winning the World Series. Like if I could, if I could erase that from my mind and think that it's still 86 years and I'm in fifth grade and I'm fucking going nuts, like... Seeing that was like, I wish I could go back and feel that again. Like, cause I couldn't, like, I don't fully remember how I felt. I just knew I was like, <laughs> you know, how old were you? But like, I was in fifth grade. Oh, wow. That's how much older you are than me. Jesus. <laughs> oh, Sonic, how old were you? Don't even go there. <laughs> oh my God. Jesus. Christ, don't Nick. even Come go on, there. Nick. <laughs> I am hey, I, I just asked a, What? 
I said, I'm youthful. <laughs> you are. You're way more youthful than all of us. And that's damn for sure. Oh, that is so true. <laughs> what about you, uh, Cam? What would yours be? So my answer is actually a video game. Because again, that's more what I had in mind when I when I was thinking about this. Because I was thinking, I was listening to the soundtrack for the game uh, Red Dead Redemption 2, which is... Mm-hmm. In my, I'm not going to sit here and say it's the greatest video game ever made because I have not played every video game ever. I'm not going to be a judge of that. It is by far my favorite game that I've ever played to the point where no, I'm not going to do any spoilers because I'm sure there's people out there who have not played it, who, who want to play it. It's a hell of a commitment to play that game. It takes like 40 hours to fucking beat it. But I remember crying like a inconsolable child at the end of that game just because of the way that it ends. It, it was brutal but it is an amazing and tragic story that is told that it's the type of like intimate connection with uh, some form of media that you can only feel in a video game where you're playing as a character interacting with this incredible incredibly lifelike very realistic world where it's like a movie is fantastic we can watch and enjoy a movie for two or three hours depending on how long it is and love these characters and feel endeared towards them but to actually like sit and play as somebody in this amazing world for so many hours and do so many things as this character and also kind of be able to choose the path that they go down in a game like that where the, the way you interact with the world affects how the game plays. It's just, um, it's, it's just the most incredible game I've ever played and, and the music from that game uh, made me think about that, how if I could do anything... If for the first time ever again in that sense, in, in the sense of media, I would play that game again. Just erase it from my head and start over. Because I remember the first few times I played that game and the whole first time I played that game just being in constant amazement as someone who's been playing video games their whole life of being able to see the world that I love from the first game be brought to life in the way that it was and and have it be so incredible and to the point where it made me cry at the end of it. Like really Aww. made me cry. That's awesome, though. I think that's a a cool thing. Yeah, I mean, any sort of experience that can bring you to that sort of joy and gratification is unreal. I mean, I think back immediately to watching Sons of Anarchy for for the first time and, like, for the first time watching the season finale, and I was, like, my jaw dropped, and I was like, wow, like... I I got like that ringing in my ear. You know what I mean? Like at the end, like I was just like. Yeah, no, I, I totally get it. That and like when I first watched 8 Mile, dude. Oh my God. Oh, <laughs> for sure. Dude, the dude chills that, that, that Eminem poster side. behind me is there for a fucking reason, Nick. <laughs> yeah, uh, trust me. That man has helped me through a lot in my life. <laughs> me too. I get it. Uh... Well, that's that. That's a good damn. That's good a question. good question. I don't know. I'm gonna top that one. How are we gonna follow that? <laughs> I didn't Mine's think this not- would be that much of a hit. If I knew, I would have saved it for last. I know. Damn. Well, we well, get to return to it next right week from, with Ethan. So yeah, and you said right from the start that you had that you had one. You had a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Mine's not yeah. as great, but <laughs> you have to go for it. All right. So, what's your favorite color? <laughs> yeah. What is your favorite color? No. Um, nice. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So you have the opportunity to go to all the rinks 
um, in the U.S. and Canada. Where would you start and where would you finish? Oh, so are we go? Are we going to every single one? Or are we just picking two? Correct. No, you're going to every single one. But what would be the your first stop, and what would be the last stop? I would Ooh. start. Ooh, I don't know. I would start in Washington probably, just because I've still never been to Capital One Arena, and I want to see a game there. But I would end in what I would argue is the most important rink in the United States the rink at Lake Placid where the United States won gold in the 1980 okay. Olympics. I would, I think, start west. And then once I hit like, once I hit like, call it like Chicago, because I've been there once. Then I go up north and then go back west again and and just move west to east, I think is what I would do. Okay. West. Weast. I would start East Coast, so I would start New York. And then I would make a full circle and end in Florida. See, like, I think I would like to... Yeah, because you said where would you start and where would you finish? So, okay, I would start... I think I'd start in Arizona just because I feel like I would just want to get it out of the way. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> like play around a golf, go see a hockey game. Like, okay, well, on to the next one. Like, I'm done. Fuck Glendale in particular. <laughs> then, I think I'd want to end at like in Montreal. That's okay. Good, well, that's a good one. A yeah. Bruin Canadians game would like to end like this 31 arena road trip would be fucking unreal. Cool. And I don't I don't think I'd want to get I don't think I'd want to do like Vegas first. Like I think I'd want to like save that midway. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Like yeah. have a little bit of excitement to look forward to. There you go. Gamble a little. Why not? Yeah, I'm not the biggest gambler. <laughs> Mainly because I just hate wasting my money. Truth. Uh, all right. Well, I guess it's my turn now. <laughs> <laughs> This whole time I've been trying to think of like, all right, what's like a good question? Like something like cans. I'm sorry I set the bar so high. No, but it was a great question. Also, I'm sorry I had such a long-winded answer to my own question. I guess I just had like, <laughs> I guess I just moment. had all these. I, I Listen, I just restarted playing the game too, and I just have all these feelings. And I have nowhere to put them, so that's probably where that came from. The stars are aligned. Don't worry. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> All right, this is kind of a kind of a hard kind of a hard answer to find, maybe. Um, when did you first fall in love with sports? Like what moment or oh, Jesus? Something there wasn't there wasn't a particular moment for me. I don't think. Because I was not very into sports as a young kid. I didn't start caring about sports in any regard, really, until I was in the fourth grade when my sister got her first boyfriend and he played hockey, as did his sister, and we would go to their games. And that's where I got exposed to hockey. And, and I owe a lot to that family in that regard because I would not be sitting here talking with you guys on this podcast if it wasn't for the fact that I would go to those games as a kid. 
Uh, so it was a very slow burn, but it was like, I, after a few times I was like, you know, I really like this hockey thing. And I started, I, I would go to all their games. Like I wanted to go to their games and, and I started watching the Bruins and eventually started watching Ovechkin and the Capitals. And then I started playing and there, but there really wasn't like one moment, I guess you could say it was really just like fourth or fifth grade is when I started. And then it ended up being perfect because the Bruins won the cup and when I was in the fifth grade. So. I think that that's probably the moment that like it really like instilled in me. That's like, this is what I want to be a part of for the rest of my life is this hockey thing. So yeah, I, I guess you could say that. Mine. I have to give credit to my dad because he, he's the one who like pushed me into sports in general, like at a very young age, I did gymnastics. I like figure skated and did track and field and all that stuff. But I think as weird as it sounds, like the moment I saw my dad, like walking into the Olympic opening ceremonies one time, I was like, that's what I want to do. I kind of want to do that. And Hold like, since on. then, I'm like, no, no, I no, love no, no, sports. No. Hold on. You you cannot. <laughs> no, 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 no. You do not get to do that. You do not get to just make a statement. Yeah, my dad walked in on the uh, Olympic opening ceremonies. You can't just say that and expect us to be like, <laughs> yeah, that's a normal dad, thing that everybody experiences. Uh, he was part of the Armenian Olympic team. So he got to march in opening ceremonies for like four, four games. Yeah. <laughs> Why are <laughs> we just like, learning what? this? How I do don't know. Not- um, I don't know. I guess I never shared it, but I, I, he did it when I was like a kid. So I like watched him walk into opening ceremonies and I was like, I want that. <laughs> That's so, like yeah. the coolest thing I, that, that you've is- ever said to us. <laughs> Oh, it yeah. took like two and a half years. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't. I didn't really bring it up. I can't wait to get Ethan's reaction to that. He's gonna be like, "What the fuck? Why wouldn't you ever tell us that your father got to represent his home country in the Olympic?" Yeah, he went to four, four of them. Yeah, Oof. yeah. <laughs> so that's where it all started. I have to give him credit for everything. I'm still, I'm still trying to. My my mind is still blown how you just dropped that piece of information. <laughs> yeah. Like it's the most normal thing that like, oh yeah, like my dad. I guess you- it's normal in our household. <laughs> oh yeah, anybody gets to just, you know, represent their country in the Olympics. <laughs> Jesus, Sonig. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's don't apologize. That's like the coolest thing, but like well, just yet again, I'm not gonna be able to top a question or an answer here. <laughs> Oh man, next week. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> my bad. I should have went last. Nobody in my family was an Olympian. I don't. I don't even remember. <sighs> I guess when I fell in love with hockey was I remember going to like a frozen pond in Connecticut, like where I grew up. I don't know how old I was. I don't know how I skated or anything, but like, it was just like, it was either like a bunch of my dad's friends or a bunch of his friends, kids or whatever. I don't know. They were just like playing pond hockey. And I just like remember being on the ice and like trying to shoot the puck and I couldn't. And I was like, I don't know how old I was, but I, Whenever, however old I was, I obviously put in the back of my mind to try and go back and do that again. Um, but I think I've always made it known on this podcast, like I was always a baseball player and that was always my best sport. So I guess the moment I really like 
fell in love just, I mean, not, with baseball, I guess was cause it was like my main sport was, uh, like my first like T-ball team, just like going up and hitting my first ball and like getting the first base. And I was just like so pumped up, but, um, I don't know. I guess I look back at like sports moments. Like I, when I was like a year and a half old, I went to my first ever NHL game. I went to a Whalers game against the Sabres, like at the old Hartford civic center. And <laughs> I don't remember it, but I, I have, there's like a picture of like me and my dad there. And I was like, right from the get go, they like exposed me to sports. So, and then like, my dad's friends always tell me that we used to, we used to go to like the Springfield Falcons Hartford Wolfpack game. It was like this big rivalry in the AHL. And I guess I would just follow the the Springfield Falcons mascot screech around the whole time. And my, <laughs> my, my dad's friends, they just say the, they do like this baby voice, like so funny. And I would just like walk up to it and I would just like, pull his tail and I go screech 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 and like just follow him around <laughs> that guy thing. in that suit better oh. he, he earned his money that night <laughs> he probably want to kick me in the face <laughs> I wouldn't want to kick me in the face but now nah, I was cute as hell as a baby and then I don't know what happened but um yeah I don't know I I guess I've just always kind of been around it so I always enjoyed it like I remember one of my first times playing football not even like organized. It's like with my cousin and his friend. It's like one on. It was like we played like one on one on one, and I would just like play defense, and I like tackled his friend, and his friend's shoe hit me like right above my eyebrow, and I had a shiner for like two weeks, <laughs> and I was like, oh, that was actually kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> but so I guess I don't really have a good answer to my own question. So. I got topped off by, uh, or got topped by Sonic and Cam tonight. So, guys, great <laughs> questions, great answers. Sonic uh, topped the whole thing. That that just was the biggest plot twist since The Empire Strikes Back. That was <laughs> fucking insane. Uh, Cam, give me one minute on the Red Sox nine-game winning streak that came to an end today. Liz, I I can't actually speak a ton to the twin series. I really didn't see a lot of it because all the games being played while I was at work, I would listen to them a little bit uh, where I could. But the fact that this team has turned it around from that dreadful 0-3 start to the point where even Garrett fucking Richards, who gave up two back-to-back home runs that Saturday night, that was brutal. He did shave the mustache, though, so he heard McCarthy. But... Um, just even a guy like that turning it around every other than his first start, every starting pitcher has gone at least five innings. Sonic looks incredibly bored right now. The bullpen, the bullpen <laughs> has been okay. The bats have been alive. Devers looks great at the plate. Bogarts has been good. Uh, Kike Hernandez. I've, I've really enjoyed Vordugo had a historic, almost historic day yesterday and JD up until the last few games has been, has been great to watch. So I've been more than pleased with how the Red Sox have played. They've been better than I thought they were going to be this year. And I just hope it holds up. I'm not necessarily asking them for them to win the division. Just contend for the wild card. That's what I've been wanting all year and going into this season. So hopefully they continue what they're doing. Yeah, get to the playoffs. And sign Alex Verdugo tomorrow for a long contract because I think that kid's like the face of your franchise minus Bogarts. So... He's a hell of a player. He, he fought off a ten pitch at bat today in the ninth in the ninth inning and shot a 
three run double down down the left field line that scored all three to tie the game. Oh, yeah. sorry, this was in the eighth, eighth or the ninth. I forget. But electric stuff. That guy's electric. Yeah, Fun to watch. I, I like the guy. He was the one of the only things that was even slightly entertaining about last season, and I'm glad yeah. that he's carried it over to this year. All right. Well, I think that that, that just about uh, does it for the this week's episode of the Third Line Grinders podcast. Hopefully, everybody learned something today that Jordan Veradian was born from Olympians. So whoever she has, they're going to be hella happy. Hella happy. So you know it. <laughs> Good to talk to you guys. We'll talk to you guys next week. Hopefully, we'll be joined by Ethan Spaulding at that time. Ethan Spaulding, peace out. Bye.